brilliant ball in from Ronan. Just rises up, beats Safari. What a fantastic save. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Afterburn Soccer Show. Uh, I'm your host, Nathan Hill. And yeah, it's, it's a little solo right now, but Jose Carmona will be joining me in just a moment. Uh, working on uh, just coming back late from dinner. I've uh, got some video and things to share with you in just a bit. We're just working on that in the background. Kind of one of those weird summer days where, you know, I took the kids to the pool and didn't get the prep done as much as I wanted on uh, uh, on everything to kind of unfold. But I'm expecting Jose to join me here in just a moment. Uh, it We got a lot to get to tonight on the show. Uh, and, uh, yeah, um, it was a busy week. It was a busy. I posted on that on the Afterburn.soccer website how busy of a week it was for FC Dallas fans, for United States women's national team fans, for Major League Soccer fans. A lot of interesting things to get to. Here comes my buddy. Here he here he is. Here he is. Here is Jose. Kind of a kind of a a soft start to the show tonight. That's all right. Uh, but that's all right. Jose, how are you doing? Good. Good. I'm. Uh, I'm here. I'm. Be better. Be doing better if our results, uh, if the result had gone our way this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's start there, of course, with uh, the League's Cup kicking off, and and uh, I got a question on Twitter. I, I I haven't looked up yet, but I I I'm assuming it's goal differential. But the question is, um, you know, this League's Cup is a different format for FC Dallas for Major League Soccer teams and for Liga MX teams. Um, that it is so if you draw there is a chance to do the penalty kick penalty kick shootout just like we see in mls next pro um and you know you get an extra point if you win the pk shootout so that kind of provides a little bit of room in the standings so right now you know charlotte has two points fc dallas just has one although fc dallas prepares to play nicoxa and then uh, and then Charlotte will play them to kind of round out the group. But the question is, let's say all, every group is tied on points, then what's the next tiebreaker? And and I don't know that yet, but I'm assuming it's goal differential. <laughs> That's just it, though. Is is so? I was looking it up, and and I'm not saying this is going to happen. But let's say right now you've got uh, Charlotte on two, North Texas on one. If, and this is just all speculative, if North Texas were to win, to go to a draw in the next match and then win the penalty kick shootout, they would be at three points. And Charlie would be at two and Nikox would be at one. So if Nikox draws Charlotte and wins the PK, then all three teams will be at three points. How do you break that? There's no. It would be all draws, so there would be no goal differential. Yeah. Yeah. It says goal scored. Oh, okay. It starts with group group stage tiebreaker. Start with goal differential, then followed by goals scored, goals okay. conceded, fair play points, and finally a drawing of lots. <laughs> so the two. <laughs> so the two goals scored. The two goals scored could be the difference right now. I mean, it's old school. Mm. <laughs> I would, I would be so down to see that. But in all honesty, we, we need, we need a W next match. I mean, uh, 
Yeah. It's let's just say let's just say that I think that took the wind out of the sails. Uh, the result did. Well, and let's start with that Friday night game. I mean, this was um, watching it, it. It was a lot of fun as an FC Dallas fan, especially when FC Dallas scored. Um, and you know, and I try to keep my journalistic hat on as well. But it was also then very deflating when they gave up the late goal um, to uh, you know so late as it was and it just seems like that has been fc dallas's luck their misfortune they're just just something about this team that isn't able to grind out and make that critical play at the end um i I, so i I don't know what you thought about it i mean we saw the camungo goal which was just so much fun we just what a story that kid is for fc dallas for this franchise uh, and then to get a, a goal, uh, uh, you know, Charlotte comes back and ties things up. But then you get a goal from, from Sebastian Letjet, who's not had the best season as a professional soccer player uh, for a lot of reasons, a lot of things going I, on. I, I, I hear things are go, um, turning out pieces for him lately. So I think, I think the fact that he's had an assist in the last game and a goal this game uh, – means his luck has turned. So I, I like this legit, and uh, I like yeah. to see more of this, more of this legit going forward. Yeah, but but to give up that goal so late, um, and, and um, you know, I just have my own issues with this team. Like, you know Charlotte's going to come out and attack in the second half, so why can't you preemptively make an adjustment why can't you come out and and shift your guys around a little bit to try to get more possession on the ball or to get in a place where you can you know clamp down on their attack or their possession and well i i have uh i have a reason for that as a suggestion i'm not saying it's it is so but unlike charlotte fc dallas had the game against charlotte and then had to turn around and play right away tomorrow so my my money is on fc dallas basically once you took the lead basically saying hey okay let's conserve energy let's let's not go all out because you could tell charlotte was mm-hmm. all right but charlotte will have extra days to rest and if Dallas won't so the, the mentality here is is charlotte was going for it because they knew they would have time to recuperate FC Dallas, on the other hand, sure, they're at home, so they don't have to travel. But they weren't going to have that much time to recuperate. So you got a team that's got the lead trying to conserve their energy. And then you got a team who's behind who says, hey, you know, if we lose here, we might as well go home. And we've got extra time to recover, so let's make the best of it. And I think that's the difference. The style of play dictated, you know, Honestly, I prefer that FC Dallas would have gone all out to get the win because then if they get the win, then the following results don't matter. Three, you know, you get three points and you're pretty much in. You know, you're pretty much through. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what was heartbreaking about this match is we all expected a rotated squad. We all expected FC Dallas to rest some players and 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 give some players that were rusty some minutes. And had they played that squad, and the result would have been 2-2 PK loss, as a fan base, I think we would have been okay with it. We would have said, hey, you know, they rotated. Uh, you know, we didn't expect them to take this seriously. 
And, and I think we would have been able to stomach it a little bit easier. But the fact that they put out a a strong a lineup as they possibly could, uh, indicating that they were going for it, and then to play the way they did, that had the opposite effect. I think that's demoralizing to, to us, uh, uh, us that were watching the game because they were the better team. Actually, Dallas was the better team. They just could not put Charlotte away. And Charlotte, despite not despite being at played for stretches of the game, they never stopped fighting. They never they, they they stayed in the game. They found a way to find the equalizer. And then the PKs was just one demoralized team and one energized team. Simple as that. I mean people are body language people and you can you can tell I mean and the fact that that, that last goal had been pretty much near death there, you know, that to go straight to PK following that, I mean, Charlotte was on a high and FC Dallas was still going. What the hell happened? We had we had the three. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, I mean, yeah, it's FC Dallas needs to honestly go all out in this next match. I know, you know, if they need they need to get a win to guarantee they advance. And if they don't win, then they have a long vacation ahead of them. So what are you conserving energy for? You know? So I hope I hope that they go all out in the next match. I mean, I expect some rotation. I mean, I wouldn't be uh, too upset if, if we saw uh, Ariola and Paxton and, and Tuomasi, those guys get starts. Maybe a rotation at uh, the fullbacks. You know... Something along those lines. I would expect yeah. some rotation, yeah. but I'm hoping it's it's uh, a rotation that indicates that we're still serious about trying to advance out of the group. Yeah, so disappointing start for to League's Cup, but you know I'll, I'll just my positives are just um, uh, we missed Martin Paz in this game. Maybe he would have been the difference. He would have saved one of those goals, or you know. You know but I, I have to get with you there. I mean, and mind you, we all expected Jimmy to play, you know. But this game just highlighted that, you know, a guy that, that he's not very tall. He's short yeah. for the position. And and uh, a guy like that has to be on point. He's got a, his decision making has to be perfect because he doesn't have the length or athleticism uh, or, or, you know, of a pass. And so he's a guy who relies on uh, having excellent positioning, uh, making sure that his, you know, his communication with the back line is top notch. And when that's not there, you see it. You see the difference. And that's, that's basically, I think Jimmy is a guy who needs a run of games to get into form. He's not, not going to get a run of games, you know? Um, so... I won't be surprised if they run, run him out again, in all honesty, you know. Yeah. Um, I won't. And hopefully he plays a little better. But, you know, we're all say, seen this before, and you're like, you know, he's he's hit a certain level. And I've, I think I've said privately, we've got two stud homegrown keepers in, in the pipeline. It might simply be time to move on from Jimmy. I mean, uh, you know, it's yeah. – I mean, you'd be, you'd be gambling that Paz can make 
can uh, last the entire season without getting injured. You know, I don't know. It's a tough decision. I, I still expect Jimmy to be here to the end of the season. So that's a decision more for next year. But I think as a fan base, we're like, you know, we I think we're ready to move on from Jimmy. Love the guy. But like, I think everyone's, I, everyone can see he's lost a step or, or, or he's just rusty. I don't know. There's something missing. This is not the Jimmy that we're used to seeing, and it's obvious to everybody, for everybody to see. Well, and I, and I think, too, like that right side of the defense, it, you know, has rightly been a sore point for FC Dallas because I think Giovan Jesus is a nice prospect. And, I, and I'm there are some, maybe a minority FC Dallas fans who maybe have said, oh, we've seen enough. This guy's not good enough. He's so young. It's his first year in Major League Soccer. He's coming from a second division uh, in like Brazil, right? And you know it's going to take some time for him just to to continue to grow and mature and get some minutes. And he's a, he's definitely more of an attacking player. So he's got to work on his defense. We we understand that, you know. But so it, it is. It's tough. But with with Ima out injured, you know that to to see the right side of the defense kind of be a weak point. But on the other hand. Bernard Camungo was uh, just fantastic in this match, and it's just um, something really out, man. Yeah, just, just exciting to, to watch, and you know, just continues to show that that he's a future. He looks like a future starter for this team, you know, um, a solid uh, piece, uh, rotation piece right now. You got to be excited about that, and then. Wasn't Velasco playing centrally this match? Yeah, that was an interesting tweak as well. And he yeah. looked good. <laughs> he looked yeah. good because they ran out the the single, you know, a single six in uh, Quinone, and then they had the double eight with Velasco playing that eight spot, you know, in advanced position. And he looked really good. Um, I don't know. I think that's just a sign that that they put him there because I think you, we're going to see Paxton this next match. And they mm. wanted to have similar style of play. They're like, hey, this is where we're going to run. We're going to run, go back to the single six and, and dual eights. And because of all the ringers that we signed, you know, yeah. why not play Velasco centrally, you know, and have him rotate with Paxton until – because let's face it, Paxton needs to get healthy and Velasco needs uh, a fresh look, a fresh take. So this helps both if they rotate for the time being, at least during League's Cup. Well, Jose, give us your quick sense, and because I have no knowledge, I haven't really even bothered. I saw Big D Soccer put out a little preview of of Nakaxa. Um, what can we expect against this team? Is this a winnable match for FC Dallas, or is it going to be really tough? I mean, we've seen a little bit of all of that from from this League's Cup. We've seen some MLS teams dominate and some struggle um, against. So, so yeah. Nakaxa is. It's a team that hasn't won in their last 10 matches. All right, let's put that out there right now. So they're, and mind you, Charlie came in having not won in eight matches. So it's, you know, not, let's not get too excited. But technically, they're only really on a three-match winless streak because they had the long break, you know, between the Clausura uh, and Aperatura. And, and they're currently in this second half of the season in there, uh, they're basically only played three games. So is it a winnable game? It is. And that simply comes down to, they're going to be rusty. 
they'll be the rest of the team. But you're talking about a team who's still basically not yet in midseason form where FC Dallas is. Sure, FC Dallas is, you know, we all know the issues that FC Dallas has had. But they're at home. They're in midseason form against a team that is still in, the, in their early season form. And, and their attack isn't very good. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Nakaxa is going to try to uh, – they play five in the back. They play a 5-4-1. And so they're a team that is capable of bunkering, which we all know that gives FC Dallas tons of issues. Um, and their attack has been very anemic, you know. Uh, I think I'm fairly sure that they've only scored one goal in their three games, and and they actually had a friendly between their last game and, and now, and they didn't score there either. And their lone goal was scored by on a set piece by a non-attacking player. So none of their attackers has yet to score a goal or an assist. But they will try. They will they will try to hit Dallas on the counter, and they will get many shots. Out. So FC Dallas has to be careful. The one thing where I think FC Dallas has a chance is Macaxa likes to, even though they play five in the back, they do employ a high line with a defensive line when they're on the attack, which means unlike other teams that that you know try to force Dallas to break them down, they will be open for the counterattack. You know, so FC Dallas. Now, if FC Dallas has possession and they're working the ball into the attack, then yes, Nakaxa will have time to bunker, come back and bunker. But it's when they're trying to push forward because there's a team that, that pushed such a high line, they will be open to counters. And so that, I think that's mm-hmm. where FC Dallas, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas plays very direct over the top ball and basically just says, okay, if you guys are going to push the high line, and you know FC Dallas loves when teams employ a high defensive line against them. The few teams that, that dare try that end up getting a shootout with FC Dallas or, or, you know, or just lose. I mean, the only teams I can think of that, that always, for some reason, employ a high line against FC Dallas are like the LA teams, LAFC and LAG. And if I'm correctly, Dallas has beaten those teams this year. So the, yeah. the chances will be there, mm-hmm. you know. I think FC Dallas has to come out hard and fast in the first half because fatigue may be an issue in the second half. Try to get a goal and then just hold on, you know, then, then, then kill the game. And I think that's the strategy. The strategy is go out, find a goal, then kill the game. So if Dallas is to score sometime in the first half, expect a very boring second half. And, well, on the attacking sense from FC Dallas, it'll be exciting on the fact that if they take a goal lead, they'll be trying to force uh, Nikaxa to break them down. So I think that's the game plan. I would not be shocked if this game goes to um, to penalties, in all honesty. So keep that in yeah, mind. Yeah, the pressure will be on FC Dallas. And, of course, they're at, FC Dallas is at home, though. Who knows what the crowd will be like. It ha- you know, uh, this is a very uh, – you know, this is a new new – Cup, a new tournament. Um, It'll come down to how many Nicaxa fans show up, right? Because we honestly don't know what the Nicaxa presence is going to be mm. in the DFW. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's another 10,000, you know, or less for this match. And and it's a midweek match, and those are generally poorly attended. 
So honestly, it'll come down to Nikaxa present. If Nikaxa shows up in numbers, then we'll have a good crowd, and it may even seem like a road crowd. But if their presence isn't that big, it'll just be just like the last game we just saw. Yeah. Well, it'll be, it'll be fun to that's tomorrow night. Um, so plenty of reason to, to um, you know, turn on your Apple TV or get on that TV Plus, which evidently is doing gangbusters for uh, for Apple and for MLS, over a million subscribers, which is uh, pretty exciting territory for Major League Soccer. And of I course, think it's, I think it's exciting for MLS fans, but yeah. I've been seeing so many people try to turn that into a negative on social media. You know, the the haters are going to hate, and, and they're not convinced by the numbers, and they're yeah. just pushing the narrative that, that those are poor numbers, when in reality they're really good numbers for MLS. Yeah. Really good numbers. Well, then we turn to our on, on Saturday, North Texas Soccer Club with a new coach, John Gall, in charge after Javi Cano, which we talked about at length, and and had some some you know some uh, some sources just indicate that um, there was a lot of shock in the sudden coaching change. Well, North Texas was trying to turn a page, turn a new leaf, whatever metaphor you want to use. Welcome, Sporting Kansas City, too. And guess what? It looked just about the same <laughs> as things have gone for this Different team. Coach, same results. Yeah. Um, I, I got. Let me put on my tinfoil hat for this one, just just so you know. Um, and looking at the way it all went down and what has transpired, and you get the feeling. I mean, for me, now that I had a chance to sit down and look at it, and the fact that you know, on the first game that uh, Gal had four guys from the senior roster made available to him, you know, the, the, the word, the words that keep coming to my mind is false narrative. I get the feeling that North Texas wanted to sell a false narrative of, of, uh, Kano was the problem. He's gone. We're going to replace him and we've got nine games left. And now we're going to have a new man, a new manager. And then we're going to go on a run and make the playoffs. And then Connor will be the scapegoat. You know, they want to, they're trying to sell tickets. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think the game plan was go out there, get the W, and then say, see, we fixed the problem. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. you didn't fix anything. I mean, the, the same issues that were there before are still there. And, you know, there's only eight games left. Uh, North Texas, surprisingly, as poorly as they played, are only 10 points out of the playoff spot, which I'm surprised, even even looking it up. But it doesn't matter if they don't win. They have to start winning. And Sporting Kansas City are actually sitting in the fourth playoff spot, so they're not a bad team. You know, uh, I'm not justifying – as far as I'm concerned, you shouldn't lose points at home, so I'm not justifying the loss. I'm just saying – Sporting Cast City was a strong team, is a strong team, and and uh, not a fluky three points. They have four wins on the road this year, and so they are they're actually they have as many wins on the uh, on the road as at home, and I'm fairly sure that the records are pretty identical. So they seem to play good, regard you know, solid ball regardless of where they're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very solid team this year. Um, and Timbers is a team that, uh, as they're playing next, 
it's a team that's struggling in like North Texas, and it's a team that you should be able to gain three points at home, especially if you're going to have players loaned down to you. And so, you know, if if, if there's a, if there's a game to turn the season around, it's got to start now. They, they, there's no tomorrow. They got to get three points against Timbers. Uh, they have eight games left, four at home, four on the road. They must get wins at home the rest of the way and find a way to steal some points on the road. And I mean, unless they go on a run, they're they're gonna be eliminated soon. So they need to get points and they start need to start playing with desperation. Well, and Coach uh, Coach Gall, um, you know, addressed. Uh, media this past week and of course post game I was unable to join the post game but he was uh you know he was appreciative of the team's effort he was very positive in his approach and I wrote about this on the site today that you know I, I don't don't know what you gain from uh, what he would gain from coming out and saying you know we weren't good enough at this point you just got to try to build and build some confidence and encourage your guys and so um it, just a disappointing um disappointing situation all around and it just seems like a team that's just gonna it's just young it's gonna take time it's gonna gain experience the hard way um and and and, but then if if that's true then you wonder why you don't give cano more time to sort of sort things out and even into next season before you make a move but hey uh we don't see what the fcl's front office sees and it's just that question will linger but in the meanwhile it is what it is, and I think John Gall, in his conversation with me, just acknowledged that, hey, they made the decision, we're going to move forward and, and do the best we can do here, and so, um, yeah, just wishing them the best as, as the season unfolds, you know. And you know what North Texas needs to do, in all honesty, is they need to just settle on a back line. Um, every game, it's a different, mm. different combo. And whatnot, but it hasn't worked this year. And 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 if they need, they're gonna get some stability, it starts with making sure you you send out the same backline. Uh, you got Rose has been starting a left back for most of the season, so there's your one starter. Henry has been starting most of the season uh, at center back. There's another starter, Carrera, but the other center back and the right back have been in flux all season long. All season long, we had Endele back, and now that FC Dallas is getting healthy, keeping Endele at North Texas for the remainder of the season and starting at right back would be a huge boost for this team. And then Noel Norris got to start at center back um, after having played, you know, at D mid for a bit. He needs to get a run of games at center back, and that's that's. And then uh, Saint came back. And he's been in and out of the lineup all year. So that's what your defense should be. You should be Rose, Norris, Henry, Endele, and then Saint at D-mid. And mess around with the attack all you want. But it's the, the back line has been bleeding goals at inopportune times. And I, if they want to stop that, then they need to settle on a back line. And that's mm-hmm. my suggestion is... Rotate all you want. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe these guys don't have to play the full 90 minutes, and you can sub them out and, and whatnot. But that should be your starting lineup, back line for the remainder of the season if you want to make a run. Get let them gel, and if you can let them make them gel, 
if they can become a cohesive unit, they'll stop bleeding goals. Mm. You know? Well, um, as we round out the show, I think we want to mention the rumor I, I, I also posted on the blog today. That's what we've been chatting about on Twitter, or if it's called X now, whatever the hell it's called. Um, but this, uh, this thought that uh, Austin FC is negotiating with Toronto FC to bring Matt Hedges back to Texas, but with our... I heard, I heard it's a done deal. Okay. So, but, which I imagine, so I, would just... be, I think Matt would probably prefer to get back to some more familiar... Um, a more familiar landscape to get his body right. You know, I don't, I don't but know. It's for, for FC Dallas. Fans, so it's such a kick in the nuts though. You know, yeah. it's like we love Matt and it's just to see him in the colors of, of a rival. It's going to hurt, you know, it's, it's, there's no way around it. It's just, we just got to sit here and go, you know, that's, you know, I wish there were clauses when they sell them to, to uh, to Toronto that said, hey, you know, you, part of the deal is he can't be traded back to Texas to one of our rivals, but they didn't do that. And honestly, that's something for someone like like Hedges or, or some of the, our beloved players. If you're going to trade them to another MLS team, maybe it's time to start considering those classes and say, hey, you know, we don't mind you. We think this guy's going to be great for you, but if for some reason you decide to get rid of him. We better not see them, you know, unless they join on a, on a free. There should be a clause that says you can't trade them to Austin or Houston. I think as a fan base, we would appreciate that. Now, we've got, you know, quite a few former FC Dallas players, FC Dallas players in Austin who, who seem hell-bent on recreating, like, the 2016 uh, yeah. <laughs> FC Dallas I mean, I'm just waiting for them to, to go out and sign Castillo and bring Mauro Diaz from Argentina. I mean, that's coming. Yeah. It's going to be so weird seeing Hedges. If, you know, and I, and I, I imagine it will be. I, I, I think Matt would like a change of scenery. Toronto is a, is a dumpster fire right now. And it's just so, yeah, and, so weird. And, even, and it doesn't make a lot of sense for FC Dallas either to try to go and hijack the trade and bring him back to Dallas. I, I just don't know what we'd gain. He's not... It wouldn't um, be if like I said in the article if Jose Martinez had been injured a longer term, yeah, Hedges could be a real benefit. But Jose's back on the field; I, I, it just doesn't. Other than nostalgia, or you know. And uh, I've heard another rumor. Just just to throw it out there for you, um, since we're talking about rumors, you know me, I, I love rumors. <laughs> I, I've heard that the Brian Reynolds. Uh, Moved to uh, to the team that he's playing with, you know, they made an offer for services. I hear that that's all but dead, and the only teams that are currently asking, you know, that are actively trying to get his services are in MLS, mm. and that SC Dallas is still being named as one of those teams. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, like, don't get me wrong, you know. If Brian Reynolds comes to Dallas, he would help Dallas. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I I, I can't help but think, though, that, that he moved to Europe with the intent of staying in Europe. And I just – I don't know what he gains from coming back to FC Dallas, especially if it's just a, a, a end-of-the-season loan. You know, minutes, sure, he can get him with FC Dallas, but – 
it's such a tough thing, you know. It's like, don't get me wrong. If Dallas goes out against Reynolds, I'll be happy. But at the same time, I can't help but to think that they're going to hurt the development of Giovanni Jesus and Tuomasi and, and the kids behind them. You know, Reynolds would be basically a must start. Sure. None of this rotation stuff unless, you know, unless he's injured or something. And that's that's my only excuse me, issue with it is is Reynolds would have to come in and basically immediately bump. What do you do with Tomasi or, or Giovanni Jesus? You know, it it would be um, a, yeah, it'd be a challenge. It would be a real real challenge. And, I mean, do you do you send Jesus down to get some minutes in North Texas? Yeah, I don't, well, I don't, you know, I don't. Well, I don't but Jesus, Jesus, because he's so young and 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 his deficiency is on defense. This is a player that you could bring off the bench for the remainder of the season, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me that you're going to have Reynolds and it's going to be a must-start pretty much every match, and then you have to choose between either Giovanni Jesus or Tomasi, depending on what your needs are, to come off the bench, you can't help but think that that's going to be hurting, stunting both of their developments, you know, if they're competing for bench minutes, not starter minutes. Mm-hmm. So my concern is that if they're – Serious about bringing in Reynolds, it must mean that Tuomasi is injured to a uh, worse worse than we thought. Because I think I would be okay, say, say if Tuomasi is done for the season, for example, then Reynolds would make sense because he would be an upgrade sure. over Giovanni Jesus, and Jesus could be a guy who could come off the bench or get a start from time to time if, if Reynolds needs a break. That makes sense. It doesn't make sense if Tomasi and Jesus are both available to bring back Reynolds because, like you said, neither of them is going to gain anything by playing for North Texas. They got to play for FC Dallas. They got to get minutes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, you know, may, maybe it opens up the door for a five-three-two kind of a, a situation or something. But um, to a, but yeah, I just think it creates. It's just the same thing with the hedges thing. It would be like if. But we could bring Hedges home. Like, I just don't think it solves major problems unless someone is injured for the rest of the season. And then, yes, we, we could obviously Reynolds, use the body. Reynolds, you gotta you gotta think that Reynolds would, would be getting would be better than Reynolds when he was here. You know? uh, oh, He's I agree. Be- I mean, even in the Gold Cup, I think Reynolds was was good. I mean, he was he was fun to watch. And and I think he would give us the best of both worlds as his. We already know he's an excellent attacker, and his defense is certainly better, far better than Giovanni Jesus's. Maybe not as good as Tomasi's, but what you get on the attack is so much more. So, like I said, it's it's one of those one of those moves that if it happens, we'd be happy, and if it doesn't happen, we'd still be happy. Well, and Jose, just what were your thoughts about Messi's debut in the League's Cup for Major League Soccer? Was it everything you thought it would be? I actually watched that match. Uh, the way the schedule worked out is I was able to watch the first half of... Uh-oh. Got some technical difficulties uh, that happen sometimes as we do this. Oh boy! My headphones died. Okay. <laughs> you hear me? Uh, yes. I watched the first half of that match and then was able to switch over to FC Dallas game, and then 
when the FC Dallas game hit halftime, I was then able to switch back to the Inter-Miami game. And let me tell you, that Inter-Miami defense is atrocious. I had no clue, no clue how they did not allow four, five, six goals in the first half alone. That's how many shots their opponents had. And they just could not hit the broad side of the barn. They, their, their defense was so porous that when, when Inter-Miami scored in the first half, I was laughing so hard because I'm like, this is just ridiculous. How does it feel for uh, Cruz Azul to know that they've been dominating this game, just running rough shadow? And, and Miami just could not hold on to the ball. They were turning the ball over in terrible positions, positions where you should punish them, where a good team would punish them. And Cruz Azul just couldn't do it. I was laughing so hard when they scored. It's like, it like, here you are. You've dominated the entire first half, and you're down 1-0. Mm. <laughs> and, and then, uh, of course, you know, Crusoe would eventually tie it up. And honestly, uh, you saw what Miami was getting. With the game uh, winding down, looking like it's going to go to PKs, you get the ball to Messi's feet just outside the box. He gets fouled. That's going to happen every single time. And then you set him up for for that, you know, set piece, which nobody's surprised he made that. And anybody who claims that that was his shot, it was a ridiculous shot. And it's a shot that everyone knows is in his arsenal. And there's no way that the number of goalkeepers that could get to that shot in the world is very limited. And, and there's very few, if any, goalkeepers in MLS that are going to be able to get that. So... Gorgeous shot. I mean, as soon as soon as he got as soon as he got the ball and got fouled, you knew that was coming, and that's what Miami's playing for. This guy is gonna turn losses into wins and draws. I mean, losses into draws and draws into wins. And and now the question is, um, the question is, is can Miami? Does Miami have enough to make a run? Because even though Messi and company will provide a lot of goals uh, for Inter Miami. That defense is so bad, just so bad that, I mean, they're probably going to have to win quite a few shootouts going forward. And I mean, I mean like three, three games, four, four games, you know, those kind of, <laughs> because their defense is that porous. It is so bad. And mind you, I already heard that uh, both Busquets and Messi are starting the next match. So it's going to be must watch TV all over again. All right. Well, interesting stuff. Great, great game, though. Very fun game to watch yeah. just because of everything that's going and, on. Uh, and, of course, we also have the Women's World Cup going on. Congratulations to the U.S. women for getting their first win over Vietnam, although we are expecting that. And I think the next couple matches will be interesting to see. Kind of, they dominated, though, weren't they? Didn't they yeah. hold them to, like, no shots? and no. I mean, it was just... Yeah, and, and they should have done better than 3 nothing. I think people were a little disappointed. But, hey, <laughs> give them a chance to... To warm up a bit, um, it's a very interesting a squad. It's like very, very veteran players, and then this, then these young, young players. It's a really interesting. It's squad. just the right, just the right amount of bets to to youngsters ratio. You know, you've got your you've got your proven winners that are going to make sure that the team stays on point, and then you got some really young, exciting players that are coming in and and 
giving you a hint of, of what the next generation is going to be able to do. You know, you're seeing before your very own eyes a smooth transition of power, which is very hard for any team. Only only the best teams in the world, you know, in any sport, pull that off. And you're start you're seeing the American women doing that. You're seeing them basically slowly change out veteran players, bringing young players, and you're not seeing a drop off. You know. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Well, look, let's leave the show there. We got. Uh, again, t- tomorrow night, uh, FC Dallas uh, welcomes Nakaxa to town. It'll be a fun match. Hopefully, FC Dallas can put the full game together, and then Saturday night, North Texas will play again. It'll be a fun match simply because you've got a, uh, a style. Your opponent's going to be using the style that we don't normally see in MLS. And uh, they're going to be playing a style that I'm not saying they'll normally see it in uh in the Liga MX, but it should also be slightly different than where it used to. So the first couple of minutes, you know, the first 50 minutes are going to be interesting as both teams kind of try to feel each other out, you know. Uh, I'm just, like I said, it's just that clash of styles. That I don't think anybody, I can't think of any team in MLS that runs a 5-4-1 full-time, you know. Uh, I've seen teams that switch into it, but to be it, your primary formation, and, and I've their starting lineup has remained pretty much, uh, you know, they might switch one player here or one player there game to game, but it's pretty much the same. They run a short bench, just like Nico likes. You know, Nico, Nico always talks about mm-hmm. keeping a short bench. Nick Coxer runs a short bench. So the players that you're going to see are the same players that they would have played in Liga MX, the same players that they played in their friendly. They're not really going to run out a rotated squad. And if they do, more power to FCD. <laughs> but I expect them to, to field a, 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 a squad and an A-minus squad at the worst. You know, it's still going to be a strong because, like I said, they run a short bench. So even if they use bench players, they only use so many bench players anyway, and those guys rotate starts. So it will not be a weekend team per se. I'm looking forward to it. Cash Should be fun. Should be fun. Well, let's leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And, of course, remember to like and subscribe and leave a review wherever you find podcasts if you listen to us as we just try to grow the show and have a good time. Thanks, Jose. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a good one.